0: They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 40. seconds. a whole burst through to it. 20 steps a tackle runs about 25 still on his speed. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is gonna throw. The fake is on and He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart.
2: Welcome to Ramstock Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host, my partner in Crown this evening, Tommy Avance. We're back for the oh man, the dog days of summer for us. The hardest podcast to record. The reason why? Well, it's simple. Ain't a whole lot going on. A few things though, a few things to talk about,
1: Tommy. How's it going? It's good, man. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, Had a good week so far. Got to uh, take the family um, to SoFi on Tuesday for an official tour of the stadium from top
2: to bottom. It was amazing, man. So, let me ask this question. Were you able to go last year, or was it totally shut down, even even though there were no home games hosted there? there Yeah, no. It, It was completely shut down. Okay, so then you got to give us the lowdown. We're used to the Coliseum, you know, long lines at the gate, can't get in the stadium until the third quarter. Tailgates are squished in there. What's the lowdown? What's this place like? Compared to
1: the Coliseum, it's obviously a palace, but it's a palace compared to any stadium. Um, It's the first ever outdoor stadium with a. Sunshade over it basically. That canopy is massive and it takes 70% of the UV rays right off the top. It's aerodynamically amazing too because the way that they designed it, set it up, positioned it, it gets this gnarly, ice cold breeze going in there from the Manhattan and Redondo beach areas because it's not too far from the beach. And yes, um, on Tuesday when we were there, when we finally made it down to the field and did some, you know, punt, pass, and kick type stuff down there, they had a bunch of activities for everyone to do. It was pretty fun. Um, this breeze just kicked in, and the stadium is more than halfway underground, so you have to take, you know, elevators and escalators all the way down, you know, and you're basically underground. You come out on the field, and you look up, and you're so far from ground level. It's it's daunting, man, and that breeze came into the bowl, and it almost knocked the flags over that they had on the fields for the little games that they had everyone and it was just oh, it was awesome. It was like an air conditioner just blew in there. mean. I was very concerned when I found out when they were designing it that it wasn't going to have h v a c because I'm always hot and I hate the heat, so for me to hear that and then drop the coin to be a season ticket member. I was a little nervous. But then when I started doing my homework on the construction, um, it, it was becoming very, very intriguing and history- interesting what they were going to do with this and seeing it. Um, I've been there before. Months ago, we got to go make an appointment to go to the team store and go shopping, and they let us go into the stadium and just kind of look and take a picture but not really go around. Um, but this time, we got to view it from top to bottom. We got to go into suites. Um, the Corona Beach house All kinds of cool stuff The locker room, you name it They let us go in everywhere The, the They have their own room Where they do Where Sean McVay is at the podium Talking to the press I mean, it's so dialed
2: in, man It is unbelievable Unbelievable <laughs> All right, And, you know, you showed me a picture It was in the locker room there Who's who's in the picture there?
1: That's my son Oh, okay I thought it was Tutu yeah, bad. One. Oh, yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> that was the running joke you obviously <laughs> saw my tweet <laughs> uh, i just thought i would take a little dig out of it mark and uh, angel and paul a bunch of them were in there with me and they saw what i was doing and they all started laughing because they knew exactly <laughs> what i was up to and my wife was like what is he doing and they just we will tell you in a minute So <laughs> i told her she started cracking up just giving him a hard time You know, I mean, when I played, I always gave the smaller guys a hard time, too. So it's no different. You know, I'm not wishing him a bad career. I'm not a monster. I've just never seen a guy his size succeed in the NFL. So why would I think anything is going to change now? Right. I'm going to stick to what I've seen historically. And if he proves us all wrong, he'll be the first guy ever to do it. And more power to him. He's he's an amazing talent. He's just a small guy. And. Yeah, they're like, yeah, but he's so fast. I'm like, dude, so is everybody in the NFL. 300-pound guys run four nines. Dude, nobody's impressed by his speed. They're all fast. All right, so if that's all you have, you know, good luck with that. I'm wishing him all the best.
2: No, a player by the name of Eric Metcalf comes to mind. He was a small guy. And while becoming a dynamic returner, we'll feature a little bit of the old Browns offense, but that's who comes to mind in terms of the little guys who succeeded. But there are many of them. yeah, what I there do see
1: what I do see from Tutu that I like, that I didn't see from Tavon in college or in the pros, um, and that's why I didn't like him in the draft at all, is that the difference between him and Tutu is Tutu is very, very shifty, and he doesn't hesitate when he's becoming a shifty horizontal player Tavon had this weird, stupid stutter step that he always did when he was in the open field and he was going to try to juke a guy and he would slow down. And that was always his biggest mistake because somebody would just annihilate him from behind when he was taking his time trying to figure out who he was going to try to beat in front of him, the guy behind him would just smash him. You can't do that. There's always you got to always remember there's someone behind you trying to take your head off. So keep it moving. And I don't see Tutu doing that. I see him using his his hips the right way especially on punt and kick returns um, very dynamic um, reminds me of and I'm not going to say he's going to be anything like this but he reminds me of a Devin Hester where he was very patient and fast if that makes sense you know uh, i do see that from him so yeah it's if you don't get your hands on him in, in the return game you're in trouble
2: I remember going back with T1 Austin. I remember you know, like the game against, was it the Colts? Was it the Colts game or was it the Texans game or both? There, there was a Colts game where he had three touchdowns and almost yeah. 300
1: yards, and he was yeah, just, man. I mean, that was the guy. In that one game, that's what the Rams thought they were getting, period, mm-hmm. when they drafted him. you know, And if he was like that you know, every other game, he would have been
2: worth trading up to number 8-4,
1: but it just didn't work out that way, you know?
2: That's kind of what I'm going to though, is like, the talent was there, you saw it, and the size had nothing to do with it as much as was he prepared to be an NFL player? He had all the physical tools, we saw that in terms of speed, athleticism, for years you heard about, playbook and so on and so forth, so maybe maybe he had well, a chance, but there's a reason why he was drafted where he was compared to even where Austin was drafted and that yeah is a red flag for me. I'm still hopeful that they have a plan for him. The Rams never, never seem to have a real plan for Tavon Austin. But then again, if he didn't read the playbook right, if he didn't know the playbook then there's not a whole lot I can do with him. Yeah,
1: if he's not putting his mental reps in and the effort, um that's a huge red flag for any player. We you know, we heard that a lot about Jared Goff too. So, yeah, that for me, if I'm a teammate or a fan or whatever, the, that's my biggest pet peeve is work ethic. If that's your problem, I don't want you on my team. You know,
2: you're just lazy. And I can't. I, we can't have that. You know that. Well, That's still obviously some rumors. But overall, tell us more about the tour. So
1: they, uh, they start off, you know, at ground level. You come in. Ground level, is it's, it's odd, man. Like half of the stadium is underground. The seats and the other half are above ground. Um, So when we came in, we went all the way up to the top, you know, and checked out the view from up there. And then we just kind of worked our way around the stadium all the way down, um, going to different suites at different levels and checking out all that good stuff. Um, They, you know, and they brought us all the way down to the basement where they showed us the communications room that runs the giant Wi-Fi system in there. And I nerded out on that because I've been in telecommunications for 23 years. That's what I do. So I was all about that. And I, did, I even did a speed test for all the people on the tour to show them how fast the Wi-Fi was. And it wasn't very fast, but like I kept telling everyone, this thing is built for capacity, not speed. So when you're here and there's 70,000 people here, your phone will work. But if you're trying to do things that you normally would do... On your home Wi Fi or the cell tower when you're close to it and you're trying to go live on Periscope or Facebook or whatever, good luck with that when you're pulling 30 to 50 megabytes per second per device, right? It's impressive enough to be able to handle 70,000 plus devices in one building. That's amazing within itself. Just understand that, just be grateful that your phone will work. That's what I always try to say to people is that. If you don't understand how telecommunications work, every every customer is always upset, you know, because they just don't understand how it works. So it was it was impressive. I, I told them I said, look, you guys should just be happy that your phone is going to work in here, and they were like, oh, okay, thank you for explaining all that to us. And uh, when from there we got to see some other suites, we pointed out one of the suites. She's like, oh, I think that's LeBron James' suite right there, and I'm like, oh, of course. It was unreal. So in the basement level. There's a bunch of, like, corporate suites and LeBron James suites, stuff like that. It was like the, the suite dungeon, um, and it's, it's, like, field level when you go through the suite. Um, the field level suites, in my opinion, I wouldn't want one because basically you're going to be watching the game on a TV in your suite and staring at the back of anyone on the sideline because you're actually a foot or two below where the people stand on the sideline, the way the suite was designed. So you're actually not even eye level with the people standing on the sideline. So I wouldn't get one of those if I was a anyone, but some people don't care. They just want to be there and have a good time or a, a, maybe a company gets the suite and they bring clients and, and have a good time. They'll enjoy it. They'll watch it on the flat screen and just being in the building and hearing on the noise for some people is good enough for me personally. I wouldn't want it. I'd want, you know, a level two or three suite where you can see everything our seats are the second level uh, and we're in section 200 our booster club has 28 seats all together in section 200 and uh it is an amazing view on the second level because you can see you're just high enough to where you can see everything develop on the field and that's why i wanted to get that level so i could watch film basically you're dissect you could dissect everything as it's going on and see the routes develop see people break open when you're down in the 100 level you know it, it can be more difficult you're more eye level with the players and it just looks like a chaos basically you can't really see the game that well so I, I like to be up a little bit and the 200 level is the view and you'll see it you come with me this year and come sit in my seats the view's amazing dude
2: we are just talking about this before in the air, and I think we do need to make it happen. we need going to make a party of it, that's for sure. You yes, get a in the house, get our banner out there, all of that jazz. Make some Absolutely. magic happen. Now, is there anything you don't like about the stadium? Is there anything that just kind of bugged you? No. The, re- the restrooms were, I was
1: concerned about the restrooms for a lot of reasons. I've been to some of the most modern stadiums in the NFL. And every time you go to them, the restrooms are significantly smaller than the older stadiums. Like the Coliseum restrooms, especially the one on the backside, had like a hundred or more urinals and like 50 toilets, right? It's huge. Like you can get in and out of there. The restrooms at San Francisco 49ers Stadium are like a Chili's. Like I'm not kidding, dude. Like they are so small and the lines for the restrooms are so long that. If you drink a bunch of beer or whatever, like, you're, you're not going to be watching the game very much. And let, I mean, they got TV screens everywhere, so you're not going to miss a play. But you might as well stay home if you're in the restroom line the whole time, you know. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, same thing, pretty small restrooms at um, U.S. Bank Stadium. The restrooms at SoFi were pretty big, um, at least the one that I went to um, on the level we came in, the ground level. Hopefully, they're all pretty big like that, but uh, yeah. And they have a bunch of family restrooms, private ones where you could lock the door and you could change your kids and do all that good stuff because I had to change my son's diaper at some point in the tour. So, it's very convenient. Um, That was my biggest concern. And now, not too concerned, but get 70,000 people in there and see uh, what the restroom situation is going to be like. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure.
2: Hmm. I mean, there could be worse concerns.
1: Yeah, of course. The (laughs) seats
2: are all padded, by the way. They're all cushioned
1: seats, back and bottom. Dude, they're like lazy boys.
2: They're so comfortable. I've never seen a stadium like that before, one. But two, something we didn't get to, the tailgating. You mentioned something about that on, on social media. Can you lay this out?
1: They do have tailgating lots. Um, a lot of fans were concerned that there was going to be no tailgating at SoFi. I wasn't really concerned just because I got to look at it this way. The NFL has always marketed itself on Sunday mornings, showing those tailgates across the country, Kansas city, Buffalo, you name it, man. All the teams are showing these big tailgates. And I grew up watching them go, man, I want to be a part of that. That's so cool. You know? And, uh, I finally got to do it for four seasons at the Coliseum, and it was awesome. So, you know, most people were concerned. We're just waiting for parking to come out. Parking information has now came out. There's two lots, the pink lot and the RV lot next to it, which is also pink. Um, those are both tailgating lots. So, yeah, we're going to have tailgating, man. It's going to be great. The tailgating lots are further away from the stadium. They're kind of off to the back a little bit. Um, and, and people were complaining about the distance. and. I I walked it. It wasn't that big of a deal. People are lazy. Um, also, there's a reason why they did that, because the tailgating is loud. Everyone's blasting music. It's just chaos. So to have that so close to the stadium when they're doing the fan zone for the kids and all those other things for people that don't tailgate, it makes perfect sense. And I think it was a good idea to put the lots away from the stadium, in my opinion. I don't mind walking. It's not a big deal. How far away is it? I would say five to 700 yards, five to seven football fields, maybe. It's not that bad, dude. Hmm. I mean, it's not bad at all. It's a five minute walk, dude. It's not a big deal. I and mean, when we go to Arizona and tailgate there, same distance, you know, it's not far. Man. Get oh. the treadmill, guys. No,
2: <laughs> I mean, you're, n- nothing there really to complain about there. So. No. One last thing came to mind because, you know, in, in, when it comes to California, there's always that in the back of your mind because we're a bunch of – let's admit it. We, we enjoy a little bit of good panic porn. And that is, you mentioned that the stadium is built into the ground. So okay. what happens when, you know, the big one hits and rolls on through there? Well, We'll find out, but because <laughs> it's the newest structure,
1: it isn't coming down. Those things they, are built to sway, but it's Just also like all built
2: the, into the ground. Oh yeah, a I mean, lot that, of there's
1: other stadiums that are that are kind of built into the ground a little bit. too. Minnesota's that way as well.
2: But, yeah, Minnesota isn't,
1: isn't the word, but the big one either, though. Yeah, well, let me explain something to people that are not from Los Angeles. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. I've lived here since 1978 when I was born. So, I've lived through two major earthquakes here in 42 years. Not really concerned about it, dude. You know, just not. I mean, there's people that live in other parts of the country that their houses get blown over every other year by a tornado and they stay there. Yeah, I'm, no thanks. Everyone's always worried about earthquakes, but those people have never been here. Dude, we have earthquakes every 30 seconds and you don't ever feel them. The ground's always moving here, but the last big earthquake we had. In, in metropolitan Los Angeles was 1994. It's 2021. You know, not really worried about it. And those ones didn't. I mean, they were one was in Whittier. So that center was about eight and a half miles from my house. My house didn't fall. A um, couple cracks, no big deal. I was nine years old, I think. And then the Northridge one was in 94. That one was probably about 40 miles from my house. No issues. Now where they were epicentered, yeah, people's houses went down, freeways went down, all kinds of stuff went down. But usually that only happens in the epicenter. Everywhere else just kind of shakes a little bit and cracks. Hmm. They're not that bad, dude.
0: I'll yeah, take
1: earthquakes know. over tornadoes and hurricanes any day because of the frequency
2: of them. Right? True. That's the issue. True. If you're in Florida, you're gonna, try, you're gonna hit, you know, with at least one a year, not more. So, yeah, that's brutal.
1: What's
2: okay. up? Okay. So everything's going on. The Rams are in camp this week. There is been some stuff coming out of there. Things like a Sean Robinson looking lean and mean. Reports are he's in his best best shape of his career. Have to make up for now a departed Michael Brockers. Not sure if you'd heard about that or anything to add on that. Um Andrew Whitworth noting that he realized that he still had the burning to play when he came when he got hurt and was so desperate to get back. That, like He was hardcore, knew that at that point that he did not want to retire. So he's going to be 40 this year. 40! Say one more time, 40! And anchoring the left-hand side for the Rams. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot else going on. I don't know if you saw the, the Cooper Cup catch in practice this week, the one-handed grab. Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Who was that on, by the way?
1: I, I didn't catch the number. I didn't catch it either off the top of I'm head. always trying to pay attention to the defense because I'm a DB, you know. It's just in my DNA to always stare at them. I watched the Jacob Harris touchdown in the end zone mm-hmm. that came from John Wolford. You saw that one, right? Yeah, saw that. So the number was 31, but it's not D-Will because he's number 11 now. So, I looked it up. It was the rookie um, Robert Rochelle, who I really dig. Um, But he made the same mistakes that, uh, to be honest with you, most DBs still do in the NFL, which I've never got. So when I played and when I coach my guys, my young kids, to play defensive backs and and, in safety, when you're in coverage, I always teach them this. I say, guys, You need to pay attention to their eyes. When the route is completed, whether it's a slant, a nine, I don't care what it is. When the route is completed and that guy turns his head and his eyes get big, that's your cue. Because if you keep staring at him and he catches it and you swipe at it and try to knock it out and he scores, you lose. So what good is that? Watch his eyes. Take a chance, turn around, and take the ball from him. Pick that thing off. What are you doing? You have a 50-50 chance of swatting the ball out, which makes an incompletion, right? Why don't you use that 50-50 chance and try to get the ball back for your offense? How about that? To this day, I still see corners at the highest level doing that dumb garbage. It blows my mind that these guys aren't being coached a little better, dude. In my opinion, my my kids, my 7 and 9 year olds can do this. We do drills on it. They do it and they pick the ball, bro. I tell them, "It's three flies up. It's your ball too. If you want to go and get it, you don't just have to play defense and swat the
2: ball down. You can take it. It's yours. Go get it." That's been my complaint for a long time. Why in the world would you not go for it? Half the time, these guys are trying to knock the ball away, it gets past them anyways, and they get beat. Marcus Peters got burned how many times? And he's a ball hawk. Man, that guy had so many pickoffs doing what he does. Imagine how he, if he'd actually didn't just try and swat away those other times. I mean, he was in an animal with it, still got burned. Yeah,
1: I don't do <laughs> If I don't my career is on
2: the line, you know, if, if my reputation as a cornerback is on the line, I want quarterbacks afraid to throw my way, not because I'm going to get beat, but because I'm going to pick you off.
1: Yeah, I mean, my first year switching from QB to DB and then safety in the same season, I went from left corner to strong safety. Um, Playing both positions throughout the seasons, I had 11 interceptions my first year because playing quarterback gave me the ability to play mind games with the other side of the ball because I knew what it was like to be that guy Mm -hmm. for five years. And I used it against them. So I would bait them into throwing the ball at my guy and pretending I wasn't paying attention. And they would get that arm cocked back. I would swift my hips, and it was too late. They're already delivering that ball, and I'm already breaking on it, trying to get my hands on it. Because I want that ball. I don't care about their receivers or their tight ends or their running backs. I'm going to take it from you. That's my job. And I just don't understand why more guys don't do that, especially at the highest level. It just bums me out. Like Take a chance. when. D will read that play that wide receiver screen against Seattle and just jumped in between both receivers and took that ball and took off. I was like, that's, that's how you play defensive back. Don't be scared. Go get the ball, man. Either way, it's a 50, 50 chance. I'd rather take the 50, 50 on the turnover, not the SWAT down in completion because now they get to live to fight another day unless it's third down. Right. But go get the ball guys.
2: You know, go get it. It's there for you. I mean, that's what I would think would be the wise thing to do. And and, uh, we we
1: broke down the – I looked at the play, me and uh, my buddy Rob, about ten times in a row, the one from Wolford to Jacob Harris, and we timed it, and Robert Rochelle had about two seconds while the ball was in the air and Jacob's hands were going up and eyes were wide open. He had two full seconds to turn around, and if he would have – he would have intercepted that because that ball was thrown low. But because he didn't turn around and high point it, Jacob Harris just had to barely reach over the defensive back to grab it. You know what I mean? That was an interception completely, 100%, no problem. So I, I, every year I watch football, I, I want to see improvement in that, and I don't. There's not a lot of guys
2: who are willing to take that risk,
1: you know. I want
2: to see more of it. And I think we will see a lot of this year. I think the Rams are going to be very aggressive out there. You get the guys to be aggressive. So hoping we see more and more of that down the line. That's what my my honest hope is.
1: At Jalen Ramsey has been a big um, influencer in that defensive back room, and you s- see that with the progression of Darius Williams and how he, how brave and confident he's becoming himself. What I hear a lot about players that make it to that level is they, they never fully develop or, and get pushed out of the league eventually because of they, they lack confidence, which is weird. You're like, you got all the way up there and you still are lacking that. When I was driving years ago to Arizona from LA to watch the Rams play the Cardinals, I always stop at this gas station in Blythe to fill up before I make my trip to Phoenix. And uh, me and my wife saw this guy next to us filling up. He had a Ram sticker on, so we start chopping it up. Well, apparently he was the cousin of Lance Kendricks, our former tight end, right, that we drafted in the second cool. round from Wisconsin. And we started chopping up. I was like, can I ask you a question? And, and full you know full disclosure, I'm asking ask you about your cousin and I need to know what his deal is. You know, I think all of us fans are curious because he has so much talent. He told us that even since Lance was a little kid, his cousin lacked confidence in himself. Now I know why he played the way he did and dropped a lot of balls. As good as he was and as talented as he was, he didn't see it. The one person that had it didn't see it. That's a bummer. You know?
2: Yeah, I mean, we've had a run of ends like that though too. Honestly. Yeah. Really Mm have over the course of years. I'm not
0: sure why it had to be that had to be that way, but we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. It just seems like all of our tight
2: ends coming through have mental issues.
1: Yeah, and mental issues are huge. It'll keep you from catching the ball, you know? It's unfortunate. Gerald Everett, same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Flashes of greatness and, and then just dropping wide-open touchdowns in the end zone. Like, really? You know? just
2: and, Yeah, and then watch him go to Seattle, and with Russell Wilson there, figure it out. Watch. If it figures out how to catch the ball after he
1: leaves, yeah, that'll be frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I want right, to talk
1: to A. Sean Robinson a little bit though. Homie, oh, okay. after the break. After
2: the break. Yep, folks, we're we'll right back. Hear from our sponsor before we move on, folks. Let's go ahead and talk about our sponsor over here, which is hey, it's Blue Water themselves. If you love listening to us here for hour after hour, if you enjoy listening to different podcasts, not just us. What's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? Because there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle's the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you receive a personal cover art. q and with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and even an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, it will help you get your own show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. Best part is you get this all for 15 bucks a month. That's pretty much what it costs to host anyways. The same rate as any other hosting site, as a matter of fact. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us, talk about your favorite team, make your voice heard in hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Don't forget to check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, so A'shaun Robinson, he was kind of disappointed for me last year. Didn't really happen, mostly because of injury he had. Uh, When he did get in the field, showed some flashes. Pretty happy to see the news coming out now on him. What are your thoughts on it? I'm excited.
1: Now, correct me if I'm
2: wrong, but didn't he have a heart condition issue or something? I, you know, and it was never really clear. We thought heart condition, it was a couple different things that came to mind, I mean, you didn't, but nothing was ever really clear to anybody. Yeah, I don't,
1: I don't know what it was, but talent is definitely not the issue. This guy is a road grader. He's a monster. And the fact that. He put his best foot forward this offseason and, and is leaning out. And, and this has a lot to do with being on the same team as a guy like Aaron Donald. These Anyone that comes into this team, including the, the rookies this year, are just watching the greatest to ever do it at that position. And they have him right in front of them. And you know what it is? I'm telling you right now. They don't want to let him down, especially seeing him crying on the sideline when he was injured against Green Bay when we were losing, and he knew we weren't going to win that game, and there was nothing he could do about it to turn that around because he was so hurt, his rib injury from the Seattle game, and his tears were rolling down his cheeks, and I felt so bad for him. Those guys remember that moment, okay? They know they let him down. And to have a guy like that and be, to line up a, you know, as his teammate every game, these guys, every single one of them, I'm telling you right now, are going to bring their A game this year. They're not going to have a choice. He's going to lead by example. And he's going to pull the sled. And I think that everyone that makes this roster knows I can't let him down. Because I wouldn't want to if I was on that team. Are you kidding me? This guy works out 365 days a year, it seems like. You really want to let that guy down? Not me. I don't think A'shaun's going to. He looks amazing. Have you seen him, dude? Yeah, it looks phenomenal. He is terrifying. You get him in the middle, and either Sebastian or Bobby in a rotation, you know, and obviously with Aaron on the other side. Wow. Because I'm telling you right now, an out of shape, or less in shape, Robinson last year, when he was on the field, he the game looked different when he was out there. The defense looked much better. I was upset that he wasn't in there more against the Packers when Aaron wasn't 100%. I was yelling at the TV, where is the big man? Get him out there, man. Get Aaron off the field. He can't help you right now. Just keep Sebastian and Brockers and the big man out there and rotate the other guys in and out when he gets tired. But I, I would have pulled Aaron in the first quarter. I know that sounds crazy, but I was watching the game like, get him off, off the field. How do you pull Aaron Donald? You know what I mean? You, how do you tell Aaron Donald, hey, man? You got to sit this one out, dude, because he wasn't doing anything. As soon as the ball was hiked, he would stand the guy up and there was nothing would happen. There was nothing going on there. The offensive lineman didn't have to do anything. He just held him up like, yeah, you ain't going nowhere because he didn't have he didn't have the Hulk that day. He was he was Bruce Banner.
2: You know, and it was a bummer. I mean, you think about, though, a rib injury, which is what he, it was in his ribs. Right. If I Remember correctly? Yeah.
1: I've, I mean, I've had that injury. You can't. And I, could, I had to sit up sleeping for almost a month and I hardly slept in a month. Okay. It is horrible. It's horrible. It's one of the worst injuries you can have, in my opinion, physically, dude, because you can't do anything. It has to heal on its own. Whatever you, if you tear a cartilage, crack a rib, it's all got to do its own
2: thing, man. There's no cast for your rib.
1: You know, it yeah. sucks.
2: It's on your rib. So you can't breathe well. You can't really. Take in the kind of air you normally would be able to take in. It restricts movement. Those, if you want to say, well, he didn't show up, you know, he didn't play his way through it. It's a bunch of crap, man. That's one injury you can't play your way through and be 100%. There are other injuries you can overcome it. That's not one of those injuries you can overcome. Nope. He couldn't. Not even him.
1: Not even the great Aaron Donald. You, he when, That was the first time he's ever
2: got hurt, Right. And he's had and this he's couple a couple of small league. little nicks, you know, back hurts yeah. here, but he plays through all that stuff. Not this. Yeah, this. Uh, let me let me rephrase that. This is
1: the first time he was injured. He everybody plays hurt, you know. He was injured the first time, and he wasn't himself. And yeah, all week long, I was just shaking my head, going, "Man, this is not. <laughs> this is not the time." Not today, you know, not this week, not in the playoffs. This is our best player. You know, it was frustrating.
2: But I mean that injury exposed, in my view, some issues with that defense that the oh, Rams our defense Thonally, is not cover up.
1: The, the defense is not number one. You you people flash that ranking on social media all the time, and I'm like, go back and watch the Green Bay film without Aaron Donald. Whether he was on the field or not, he wasn't there Not him, anyway, you know And you tell me that was the number one defense Go ahead and and lie to my face like that And insult me Listen, we're all fans of this team, I get it But don't lie to yourself because you're a homer Keep it real Not the number one defense unless Aaron Donald's out there It's not Those guys let him down They did All ten of them, they let him down And I don't want to see any of that this year. When he comes out of the game, I don't want to see a huge drop-off. A little drop-off you're going to see because he's the best to ever do it. Okay, so that's expected. But I don't want to see no huge drop-off where we go from first
2: to worst. You know, like, come on, man. Come on, guys. That goes to Raheem. Raheem right now, I mean, how do you feel he's going to do
1: I like Raheem Morris. I always have. I'm glad we got him. I think he's going to run a very aggressive hybrid defense, and the personnel is going to dictate the opponent, which is the way you should coach in general anyway. You should never, in my opinion, have a base defense. You should have a defense for every opponent. That's the one thing that I like about Bill Belichick, even though I can't stand him in the Patriots. I respect the fact that he game plans for his opponents every week. It always changes. That's why he's been able to be successful for so long. Because it's hard to sniff somebody out when the what he did the week before is not what he's gonna do today against you because he's playing against eleven different guys on each side of the ball. So why would you run the same thing against different people? Oh well if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sean McVay learned the hard way on that one after his first year and a half in the league. The problem is is it broke. And he didn't fix it, and he lost the Super Bowl, right? But he's learned from that. Every young coach does, and I see him mixing it up more. I see him coaching to the team's strengths and the team's weaknesses because he had to, and that's what gave Jared Goff the ability to look like he wasn't completely falling apart, and he had some really good games last year. Because he put him in a place to succeed with the plays that he was calling with a quarterback like Matt Stafford, you could take the gloves off. And
2: um, man, I, you have no idea how I'm excited for that. <laughs> well, you mentioned a couple of times, and you know, camp's a little more than a month, full camp is a little more than a month away, and we'll see more and more of it. And hopefully, we get an idea of how well he's bonding with his receivers. We know, I mean, judging from what we see with Cooper Cup right now, that's it's looking pretty good. I'm pretty pleased with that. I know you are too. So, fingers crossed. And man, I can't wait. Yeah, it's I'm gonna. Excited. Our I'm offense excited. is gonna be
1: fire, dude. Because because we have such a good running back in Cam Akers, you can't you can't do either one. You 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 stay off with all them receivers, and we're gonna run draws all day with Cam Akers, and he's just gonna slice that defense up because he's super shifty and patient. You know, so that you're gonna pick
2: your poison. This offense is gonna be on fire, dude. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold you to that. I'm gonna hold you to that. I'm the Debbie Downer here. Remember, I'm the uh, the negative Nancy. So, well, I don't I'll like our offense. I'll be the, pe- I'll be the overall. Here. Overall, but I think
1: that they're good enough to play. With Stafford because Stafford can adjust and he's had bad offensive lines throughout his career and he knows how to adjust to all that the receivers. I'm glad they're getting to catch balls early on in the year right now with Stafford because he does break fingers. He's the Brett Favre type slinger mm-hmm. um, that ball comes out and he's he's broken a lot of guys hands and a, there's been a lot of dropped balls. Over the years from his receivers, um, I, I don't care how hard the guy throws it. you got to catch it. But, yeah, Cooper Cup and Woods and everybody are going to have to get used to a much uh, tighter spiral and a much faster ball coming your way. So when you turn your head around, expect the ball to already be there. And you better have your fingers out wide or some of them are going to get broken. Look like Tori Holt. <laughs>
2: That's a memory there. With
1: that sideways finger. Came <laughs> back some memories. You know, what I folks. think when I see that one. One more thing, real quick. Yeah, is that when I see his crooked finger every time on TV, I'm like, "Dang, you got a lot of money, dude. You can't fix that." I always that always pops in my head. Like, you can't you can't afford to fix that, or you just
2: that just a you like it that way. I've never understood it. Maybe he wanted that. Maybe he wanted his little, you know, his, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> his trophy. <laughs> Oh, I mean, good. what did I can think of? <laughs> Got a trophy finger. Look at that. I wonder if they
1: make special gloves for him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jeez.
2: <laughs> All right, folks, you can find us on Twitter at TalkRams. You can find Tommy on Twitter at... Man, you lost me in that one, <laughs> Random me in LA and me at DC Apollo. We'll be back later on this weekend. We're getting we're getting deeper into the, the tour in the league. Take a little bit of a break from it as a, as camps in away, We'll get back to we have Redskins coming your way as well. And I'm the Redskins, he's a Washington football team. And we're talking to the Giants tonight. So all that in mind, have a great one. And we are absolutely positively out of here. We'll see you soon.